I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast Week 16 Recap Edition, a.k.a. the Fantasy Football Championship Recap Show. I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and I am back once again to recap the Sunday slate for you one last time for 2020. So one last time, relax, have a drink with me, and please welcome the man with the rookie draft plan, the Doctor of Dynasty, at Dynasty PhD, Dr. John Chancy. John, how are we feeling? Just over a day away from the end of redraft feeling. How are we doing? How are we feeling? Yo, Jack. It is I, Dr. Dynasty. And to be honest, I'm feeling a little bittersweet about the end. I've had a lot of fun this season, uh, especially every Sunday night, breaking down the games with you and me. But all good things, they come to an end. Um, redraft may be coming to an end, but the fun is only beginning in Dynasty. So remember, uh, remember when is the lowest form of conversation. So I already have my eye on the future. Uh, we are going to be doing some really cool stuff on the Dynasty end of things and important nonsense to get our readers uh, and our listeners ready for the upcoming NFL draft and the NFL offseason. So we'll be doing some deep dives on player profiles for guys you need to keep your eyes on for rookie drafts, free agency, etc. But I, I'm already excited for that. And, you know, the games that for Sunday haven't even haven't even ended yet so there you go and that's the thing with john the man's brain never stops he goes right from redraft season right into dynasty season keeping dynasty season up the entire time during redraft season it is quite incredible so make sure you're following along on that journey on twitter at dynasty phd and on instagram at scouser underscore from underscore okc for all your dynasty needs this offseason but of course john isn't the only one on the show brilliant in both dynasty and redraft also idp as well so please welcome back the idp wizard the wonderful at the real nwb knee wallace bruce knee my friend how is the final weekend of fantasy treating you hey jack hey john Look, it's clinchmas, fellas. This is where teams take home trophies and titles. And how good was it to see a balanced schedule on Sunday, Red Zone? I know Mr. Goodell can literally schedule a game on any day of the week, as he has done this NFL season. But there needs to be an even split of games across the early and afternoon split, early and late afternoon slate on Red Zone. It just needs to happen. That's my wish for next season. Anyway. Um, on another note, my Coach of the Year candidate is Brian Flores. It would have been Kevin Stefanski for me, but Cleveland got jettisoned today. So, Brian Flores for Coach of the Year. It's knee playing spoiler already with some of the wild events of the afternoon. But be sure to follow knee on Instagram at the real NWB for the aforementioned dynasty content. You get the IDP dynasty content, which I don't know what other website does that. And just for great content in general. So, but enough about us. We're on day three of four straight days of NFL football, and it's time to get down to the nitty gritty of all the week 16 championship action. So anyone who's listened to the show in the past, you all know that my contract states that I am the boss. 
I get to write the show sheet, and I get to pick the first game. So this means we are celebrating with the Baltimore Ravens taking it to the New York Giants 27-13 in a game that really didn't look close at any point. And thanks to some things that happened later in the day, it is now win and you're in next week for Baltimore. All that's standing in the way between them and the playoffs is the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, Jack, and this this game basically, besides the playoff implications for um, the Ravens, you know, it also hands the D.C. Rivera as the division on a platter. We'll talk more about them later. Um, and it kind of saves us maybe, you know, maybe from having to pretend completely about the NFC East uh, for a week longer. We can, we can focus on things that matter more, like the Ravens. And, I, you know, they're heating up at the right time. They lost four out of five games at one point of the season, all by one score, it should be noted. And now they've won their last four. They play the Bengals next. And really, I think, you know, we can kind of pencil them in for five in a row. Um, this is a tale of two teams and really two Lamars when we think about the Ravens in 2020. For fantasy players, especially in Dynasty, I think you just need to be more aware of and mindful of the schedule when it comes to playing Lamar and setting your expectations. He is a superstar. He's amazing. Um, but he's also prone to stretches of maybe subpar play, especially when he's playing good teams who know how to handle him. Um, so I think in terms of, I'm not saying you need to trade Lamar or sell the stock, but I think in terms of expectations, we have to be more realistic going forward uh, with Lamar in redraft and in dynasty. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Lamar has struggled when the lights shine brightest. But as you've also said, he beats up on the bad teams, beats up the Giants here. Only 183 yards passing, but he has two touchdown passes and adds 80 yards rushing, which is the equivalent to two passing touchdowns in fantasy. So it's 21.32 fantasy points from Lamar on the day. Unfortunately, Mark Andrews doesn't catch one of those touchdowns. That's frustrating, but he does have six receptions and 76 yards. Those are pretty great tight end numbers without the touchdown anyways. And instead, we do get one touchdown to Marquise Brown. Hollywood has four grabs, 25 yards in the score, and then throw up the X again. Again, Des Bryant catches another touchdown, this time from eight yards out. Of course, it was his only reception of the game. Des is really proving that even after all this time, though, he is still an elite scorer of touchdowns. So in those leagues that are touchdown only, I play in one of those. He's valuable there, nowhere else, unfortunately, but it's a fun story nonetheless. And the Ravens continue to split the load between J.K. Dobbins and Gus the Bus Edwards. Dobbins does leave a little bit with a chest injury. Don't worry, though. He's okay. He finishes today 77 yards and a touchdown on 11 carries. That's seven yards a tote. Dobbins is the lightning. Edwards is the rumbling thunder. 5.7 yards a carry on 15 totes. Adds two grabs as well. All told, it's 122 total yards from the bus. And for the Giants, there's really not too much to note in fantasy. Daniel Jones throws for 252 yards and a touchdown in comeback mode, but that's because, but also because he has the hamstring injury, only runs once for three yards. So kind of disappointing day for fantasy. Wayne Gallman leads the backfield with 53 yards on six carries, two receptions. Sterling Shepard, he has a pretty good nine reception, 77 yards and a touchdown for the few people who are still playing Sterling Shepard right now. And then seven grabs, 65 yards from Evan Engram, just two receptions, 26 from Darius Slayton. Boy, how he's fallen this season. And then a Dante Pettis sighting. Yay! Former Washington Husky and 49ers second round pick has 33 yards on two grabs. So maybe keep your eye on Dynasty if you haven't given up hope on Dante Pettis. I co-sign that, Jack. The, the 49ers may have given up on Pettis, but you should not in Dynasty. He could be very good next year with 
if he stays on the Giants roster. Anyway, on the IDP side of things, the MVP for this game is linebacker from the Ravens, Chris Ward. The chairman of the board, if you will. He had four total tackles, two tackles for loss, two sacks, and two quarterback hits. So with this game, we're going to see potentially two teams that are based in the um, state of Maryland going to the playoffs in the Ravens and the DC Riveras, who play their games in Land of Maryland. Anyway, interesting times. And so we'll keep things in the AFC North and keep the Jack celebration rolling because the New York Jets aren't dead yet. The Cleveland Browns, we know, were without their top four receivers in Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Kaderil Hodge due to COVID-19 close contacts. Our thoughts are with them, but it, it showed on offense the Browns really did struggle. And the Browns give the Jets their second win in a row, which means that the Baltimore Ravens do control their destiny. The Jets win 23-16, to and I am shocked. Honestly, I am. Yeah, Jack, I'm shocked as well, but I think we have to give it up to the Jets. They really made the Browns play left-handed uh, by taking away what they're good at. They took away their ability to run the ball. They really put the onus of, 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 of winning the game on Baker, and he really couldn't get it done. Um, obviously, from lack of, of, of receiving weapons, that surely didn't help. Um, but this team, you know, I think for all that all the bad things we've said about the Jets this season, including myself, they haven't given up. And I'm not saying that's, you know, they should keep Adam Gase or anything, but by any means, you know, they haven't given up on Adam Gase. They're still fighting. Um, and I think there's something to be said for that. They have some legit pieces for fantasy purposes and real football. If we look at the offense, we look at P. Ryan, Crowder, uh, Barrios. These are all young pieces that could fit really well with their next quarterback, who, you know, probably going to be Zach Wilson or Justin Fields, depending on how things pan out in the draft. Um, they have talent. They're not, it's not this, um, this team that's totally bereft of talent. Um, you know, they just need to find a coach and a quarterback. And right now, they are in the you know in the driver's seat to probably get both, um, even without getting Trevor Lawrence. You know what, John? I personally was worried. I'm not ready to crown Zach Wilson over Justin Fields yet. I do need to do more research, but I was worried about even bringing that up to you because I was worried about getting shouted down. So I'm glad you agree that could happen. And so at this point, Sam Darnold is essentially auditioning to be a starter, whether it's New York or somewhere else. And we agree they should move him because today he completes just 50% of his passes, just 175 yards, does have two passing touchdowns, which is fine, adds 20 yards rushing. And I suppose you can call that winning football because they won. Got up early, whatever. Jamison Crowder, he's back to being Sam's BFF. He's going to be great for the next quarterback. 92 yards and a touchdown on seven receptions. Adds 14 yards on a run as well, so he goes over 100 on the day. And then Braxton Berrios, like John said, he comes up big with three receptions, 60 yards, and a tug. And then shockingly, Chris Herndon, he's back from the dead. He exists. Four receptions, 34 yards, and a touchdown. So decent showing from him to end the season, just in time for people to start drafting him and get him, him hyped for next year. I'm sorry, Chris Herndon will never happen. Anyways, Frank Gore turns out 53 yards on 15 touches. LaMichael P. Ryan, he looks better than Gore, 44 yards on 10 touches. Yes, Jack, and with that rush uh, of 53 yards, Frank Gore has entered the 16,000 club. He, he is now the third um, highest rushing yards leader in history we need to take a hat off to him uh on the flip side though i'm just waiting for colin cowherd to drone on about how baker mayfield isn't a winner because he couldn't get it done against the jets even though he lost his top four wide receivers they won't talk about that tomorrow but um anyway we'll see what happens yeah and it's not like baker was 
that bad. We really we can't blame it all on him. He didn't get much help because Nick Chubb was averaging 2.5 yards a carry because they knew they couldn't throw it. Kareem Hunt just 2.82, so no help from either of them. Baker still puts up 285 yards, averages over 10 yards of completion. So with no receivers, that's not bad. So Austin Hooper, he leads the way, catching 7 of 15 targets, 71 yards. He's just been a bust this year. Can't even really produce without those without any receivers. Disappointing. But Jamarcus Bradley steps up as the wide receiver one. I don't know much about him, but he catches five of 11 targets for 60 yards. So good for the kid. Other tight ends, Harrison Bryant, he has just three grabs, 37 yards. David Njoku, four receptions, but only 26 yards. Disappointing from both of them as well. So Nick Chubb, he turns 11 carries and five receptions. The five receptions, I will say, is nice. He can catch, caught all of his targets, but it's still just 66 yards. Thankfully, he is bailed out by a rushing score. And then Kareem Hunt turns four runs, three catches into 52 yards, and he's also bailed out by a rushing score as well. So the Browns can still make a playoffs. They need a win, though, and I don't know if they can beat the Steelers now. I think they can, Jack. I think the Browns can beat the Steelers. Here's what they have to do. Run the ball all day long. They do that, they'll be just fine. Because we're going to get to the Pittsburgh game next up. And we'll see how not to beat the Steelers. Anyway, before we get to that, IDP MVP for this game is linebacker from the Jets, Terrell Basham. I'll be honest, um, this is a next man up situation. Blake Castron's injured. Harvey Langley's gone down. So Basham was called in to go next to Neville Hewitt. And he finished the day with five total tackles, one sack two forced fumbles, and three quarterback hits. I have no idea if this guy's going to start next season, but today he was very helpful in fantasy. And like you said, we will move on to how not to beat the Steelers because we do have one last AFC tour. AFC North team that matters to get to and the Steelers clinched the AFC North in a come from behind victory over the Indianapolis Colts and the Colts were up 21 to 7 at halftime and the Steelers win 28 to 24. It was a battle between the two remaining quarterbacks from the 2004 draft. Eli Manning, I am so sorry that you went out so early but it had to happen anyways Colts aren't eliminated eliminated from the playoffs yet life just life just gets more complicated they now need the Browns to lose and some help outside of that but what isn't complicated though is the star that is Jonathan Taylor 18 carries for 74 yards two touchdowns unfortunately it's annoying Naheem Hines siphons five receptions and eight carries he gets 64 yards he looks great as well and stifles what could have been an even bigger day from Jonathan Taylor feed that man the rock and Rivers unfortunately he doesn't give us much either he hits 270 yards passing but just one TD and he has an interception as well because Philip Rivers will always throw an interception when it matters and his receivers kind of fall flat too Zach Pascal he's the only one with a good day and he didn't play him so it doesn't help anyone three receptions 64 yards and a tud from Zach Pascal T.Y. Hilton he has three receptions for 60 yards as well but no score Jack Doyle 50 yards on four receptions and then Michael Pittman 38 yards on three and the Steelers on the other hand complete opposite in the passing game we get production across the board because they're trailing for the entire game so Ben 342 yards and three TDs nine receptions 96 yards and a touchdown from Juju he balls out but it's not just him Deontay Johnson 75 yards in a tud on eight grabs Chase Claypool he has a little bit less he's kind of disappointing 54 yards on four receptions which isn't bad I just wish he found the end zone because I love Mapletron and then Eric Ebron even gets in on the action though 47 yards and a touchdown from him on five grabs and then James Conner, five receptions, five carries, 65 yards, and he adds a rushing score as well. So, oh, happy days for the Steelers' GMs in this one. 
Yeah, happy days indeed in the North. I mean, the Steelers win the AFC North um, and, you know, they get back to their winning ways. But watching this team over the last month, two months or so, I, I think they are, uh, at this point, we have a lot of data to suggest that maybe they are a little too one-dimensional, I think, to actually win a real title. I think they can help you win your fantasy league, you know, playing some of the players you just mentioned, Big Ben, Juju, Deontay Johnson, you know, Claypool, et cetera. Um, but, you know, they're not beating Kansas City and Moscow if they're only going to run the ball for 20 yards like they did today. Uh, and I think just watching this team throughout the season, they don't have a dynamic option at running back. I think they have a, they have a few plotters uh, who can get you, you know, a few yards here and there, but they don't, they lack dynamicism that they will need, I think, um, you know, in the playoffs. And from a dynasty perspective, I think that's really interesting because I'm going to really be keeping an eye on this team in terms of what they do to potentially address that position in the offseason. Um, I think currently their starting running back for 2021 isn't on the roster, but, you know, you guys might disagree. I'm not sure. Yes, you're right, Doc. You're right about me disagreeing, that is. Um, I am still a believer in the Anthony McFarlane experience. I feel... The Pittsburgh Steelers are a risk-averse organization, okay? They've had three coaches in the last 50 years or so, head coaches, and they, they don't do things um, rash. They, they're very careful. They, they, they take a slow and steady approach. We need to understand that this, is a, this was an unusual offseason for Anthony McFarland. He didn't have the chance to have reps like a running back would normally have, and he was a healthy inactive for a lot of games. I feel like the Steelers genuinely wanted to get the most that they could out of James Conner because they're going to run his contract out and let him leave. I feel like they're going to nurture McFarland. They've invested draft capital in him. He's going to get a chance. I'm not, not going to say he's a starter, but I think he's going to get a chance next season as the running back for the Steelers. Also, um, this game exposed the Steelers' defense a little bit, and Jonathan touchdown Taylor is a league winner 2020 league winner who would have thought that at the start of the season anyway the thing you need to look at with the Steelers is Devin Bush got hurt and then Robert Spillane Vince Williams all these inside linebackers got hurt and this the Colts took advantage of that and beat them up in the middle so I'm going to co-sign that when I say that the the Steelers can be beaten through the rushing game um and one of the beneficiaries of that was IDP MVP Avery Williamson, the linebacker from the Steelers, he's, he was traded from the Jets. We don't know if he's going to stay in the offseason, but he's definitely there for the postseason. In the end, Williamson had 14 total tackles on the day, two tackles for loss, one sack, and one quarterback hit. But for this takeaway from this game, the Steelers can be run upon. That's going to take us to the halfway point of the one o'clock slate. And that's going to take us to a word from our sponsors and our boss at nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham. Thank you for that, Steve. And I am sorry. That brings us to the end of, or sorry, that brings us to the one game from the early slate that didn't have any playoff implications. We're still treated to a super exciting game anyways. Don't get me wrong. The Cincinnati Bengals pull off the 37 to 31 victory over the Houston Texans. And now the Bengals pick after the Texans in the draft. Yeah, and the uh, please don't fire me tour continues for head coach Zach Taylor for Cincinnati, and I'm I'm sorry to Joe Burrow. Uh, the Bengals and the Jets are surprisingly both on two game winning streaks. I, I don't know, I would have never seen that coming. Uh, and from a dynasty perspective, I think a couple of players that we should at least keep our eye on 
who might be, you know, trying out for next season at least, or maybe beyond that, is, uh, you know, for Cincinnati, running back Samaj P. Ryan and wide receiver Alex Erickson. Uh, both play for Cincinnati. P. Ryan rushed the ball 13 times for 95 yards and found the end zone twice. He also caught four passes for 41 yards. Uh, it doesn't hurt that he's from the University of Oklahoma, so Boomer Sooner there. Uh, Erickson caught six passes for 88 yards. Again, uh, deep, deep sleepers in Dynasty, but just kind of keep him on your radar going forward. Ryan Pirine was the backup to Mixon at Oklahoma, but still, unless we know he's hurt next season, I cannot in good conscience recommend anyone care about Pirine or Alex Erickson in Dynasty. They're just so mid-level. They're, like, they're good enough to produce without Mixon and Boyd, but they just I they don't excite me. They don't get the juices flowing. But then again, I would have said the same thing about Brandon Allen. I have many times in the past, and he proved me wrong. So what do I know? Today, he throws for 371 yards and two tugs, something I thought I'd never say. I thought he was bad. And so one of those touchdowns goes to T. Higgins. He's an absolute baller, 99 yards and a touchdown on six receptions. And the other one goes to official tight end sleeper of the important nonsense podcast for 2021, Drew Sample, who has an eight-yard tud. And then A.J. Green. He decides to show up again. He gains 64 yards on four receptions. And over the last three games, Green now has 166 yards on 14 receptions. So he's trying to show teams like, hey, guys, like I still have something left. Like I was just faking dead all year. Please, please come get me. I have a little bit left. And so someone's going to sign him. I don't know where. That's going to be interesting. But really, I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson. He gives so much and he gets so little in return a team with Deshaun Watson at QB should never ever be 4 and 11 when healthy and even so Watson has 324 yards passing three touchdowns he adds another 38 yards rushing which is almost another passing score so we're happy with his performance we're also happy with Brandon Cook's performance he has 144 yards and a touchdown on seven receptions but then Kiki Kuti disappoints he just has 54 yards on five receptions and then Chad Hansen kills you just one grab for eight yards. So Darren Fells, he catches the other one of the reception or catches one of the receiving touchdowns, 22 yards, but really Evan cooks or David Johnson, you're not very happy. So David Johnson has been on a tear since returning from injured reserve. He picks up 128 yards rushing on 12 carries adds an 11 yards on three grabs. Finishes with 139 yards, one touchdown on the ground, one touchdown reception from Watson. So great day from him. But please, can we just get Deshaun Watson some help this offseason? Please. Yes. Get him some offensive line help. Get him a tight end that can catch the ball and just bully linebackers. And just get him a wide receiver that's going to be old reliable. Deshaun Watson is an MVP in the making. He just needs front office to help him out. Anyway, if in case you missed it, J.J. Watt, the defensive end for the Houston Texans, has called out his teammates and told them, if you're not behind my, this team, get out. And I co-signed that. One guy who is behind this team is IDVP MVP linebacker Zach Cunningham. He had 14 total, total tackles on the day, a very solid performance for a linebacker inside, um, and this is a guy who you can rely on week to week. Strong words from the former defensive MVP, J.J. Watt. And in a battle between four, two former league MVPs, you'd expect a better better score. You'd expect a lot more from Patrick Mahomes. You'd expect a lot more from Matt Ryan. You'd expect a shootout. Naturally, though, the final score was 17-14. to 14. Kansas City Chiefs win. 
They eke out a victory over the Falcons thanks to a rare young Hui who missed field goal. And I'm so sorry, Atlanta. You just don't deserve all this pain. No, they don't. So let the rebuild in Atlanta begin. My recommendation is let's keep Calvin Ridley on offense, Grady Jarrett on defense. Nee might disagree on that one, but that's where I'm leaning. Sell everything else off for draft picks and cap space because this team uh, needs a lot uh, of everything. Uh, I think at this point we can cue the Sarah McLaughlin song music, you know, for uh, for for Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, who I will fondly remember, uh, you know, in all black and playing for Atlanta and all the, the fantastic fantasy production they put up. But I think both are likely to find their way uh, out of Atlanta and onto brighter futures, perhaps. My prediction, maybe Matt Ryan ends up in San Francisco. Julio, I don't know, I'd like to see him in Baltimore. That'd be a lot of fun, right? Yeah, give me Julio in Baltimore for sure, please. Exactly. Um, Baltimore needs some receiving help. Uh, There's Bryant can't do it on his own. I'll meet you halfway, Doc. I think uh, Grady Jarrett is definitely uh, useful in the interior for the Falcons, but we can't look past Foye Oluokun. He's going to be a decent linebacker in 2021. But as long as we all agree, Julio to the Ravens, okay, I'm happy now. Anyways, Kansas City gets the win. They clinch the first seed in the AFC, which becomes especially important now that only one team gets a bye per conference. Great for real life. So happy for you, Patrick. But not great for us fantasy players. Patrick Mahomes, just 278 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. So he also has 21 yards rushing. That's fine. But it's not what people overdrafted Patrick Mahomes to do in the fantasy football championship. So, of course, you know one of those touchdowns went to Travis Kelsey. Don't be silly. He catches seven balls for 98 yards in the tug. But unfortunately for Tyreek Hill GMs, he doesn't find the end zone. 65 scoreless yards on four receptions. Instead, the other touchdown goes to Demarcus Robinson. He finishes with two grabs, 29 yards, and a tug. I am so sorry for all of you who started Le'Veon Bell in the void of Clyde Edwards Lair, because it looks like Darrell Williams is the new sheriff in this backfield. Bell turns seven carries and a reception into just 39 yards. Williams, on the other hand, turns 10 carries, four grabs into 73 yards. And I'm sorry, friends, but Le'Veon Bell is washed. And for the Falcons, though, we got a really good game, or a really good game from the passing game. Matt Ryan throws for 300 yards and two touchdowns. Calvin Ridley, he goes for five receptions, 130 yards. Would it be nice if he scored, but that's okay. We know he's a baller. We know he's now the alpha in Atlanta. And one, one score goes to Hayden Hurst. He gets five receptions, 47 yards, and a TD. And the other one goes to former first-round bust Laquan Treadwell. Two receptions, 11 yards in the score. Does you no good. And so I'm sorry if you played Russell Gage because he only has four receptions, only 23 yards. And then the backfield is a mess. So that doesn't help you either. Edo Smith leads the way in touches. He has 10 carries and a reception for 51 yards. But then Brian Hill leads it in yards. He has 61 yards, seven carries and three grabs. And then Todd Gurley, he totes the ball four times. He has three receptions and he gets 50 yards too. So it's 162 yards total for the Falcons backfield. But it helps no one because it's three different people. Someone get Atlanta a real bell cow. Yes, the real bell cows of Atlanta, if you will. Now, the IDP MVP for this game is linebacker from the Kansas City Chiefs, Willie Gay Jr. The rookie had nine total tackles, one forced fumble, and one tackle for loss. Now, here's the deal. The Falcons, as Jack mentioned, ran it up on the Chiefs. The Chiefs are known for allowing running backs to get at them. So, 
Willie Gay is rookie. He he's come along slowly in terms of his snap count. If you are playing Dynasty IP, you need to make sure that this guy is not rusted. And if he is, see if you can trade for him. And if he isn't, get him now because this guy is going to be. He might he may even have the green dot next season. This guy is going to be the future for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And Willie Gay Jr. might already be the fastest linebacker in the NFL. We'll move on to a franchise known for linebackers, though. The Chicago Bears entered the day controlling their own destiny for making the playoffs. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars, they entered the day controlling their own destiny for the number one overall pick in Trevor Lawrence. And at the end of the day, everyone leaves happy. A love story that you love to see. Bears win 41-17, to and the Jaguars have now locked in Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and of course they'll have to make the playoffs, but I think as of right now, the Bears have this sort of 2007 Giants aura vibe going on with them. Uh, They're really heating up at the right time. They have three wins in a row. Run game, the defense is playing better. The defense is playing up to their reputation. But I think largely the streak has more to do with their schedule, which has been somewhat light. They get the Green Bay Packers next in what will most likely be a must-win game for both teams in terms of playoff standings. So I think that will be a really good litmus test to find out how good this Bears team actually is. Um, I think the bad news for anyone who knocked Mitch Trubisky, including myself, um, the way they're playing right now, I don't know. I don't think they're going to be able to let him go. Um, They're not going to be good enough or bad enough, excuse me, to get a high draft pick to draft a quarterback again. And I think they're playing too good a football with Mitch uh, at quarterback. So it's an interesting conundrum for the Bears. So you heard it here first. John is calling for MVP Mitch to go on an Eli Manning Super Bowl run. Wow, that is bold. But (laughs) that is exactly what you said. I'm not paraphrasing in the slightest. But no, you might be right. There are rumors surfacing that Trubisky might be brought back. And so there's two theories. One is other teams are floating that rumor, hoping that the Bears do take that as real and decide to re-sign him. It's a weird kind of like back and forth play. I don't know. But then the other theory is that the Bears have floated it to convince the fans like, hey, guys, we might actually do this. So here's like a little warning ahead of time. Anyways, that's a problem for the future. Trubisky throws for 265 yards, two passing TDs, and adds a rushing TD, 10 yards on the ground. Of course, he has an interception, though. But I don't know. I don't know how. I, I don't know why, but both of his touchdown passes, they go to Jimmy Graham. So we have four receptions, 69 yards, and two touchdowns from the grandpa. Don't worry about Allen Robinson, though. He's fine. 103 yards on 10 grabs. Great for PPR. Not so much for Darnell Mooney. Only 39 yards on four grabs. Cole Komet, he only catches two of his six targets. Only 18 yards is vultured by Jimmy Graham. And then Anthony Miller, he has just 10 yards on two receptions. Then David Montgomery, on the other hand, He's a completely different story. 23 carries, two receptions, 121 yards, and a rushing touchdown. And it should have been more, too, because David Montgomery is vultured by Artavis Pierce. I don't know who that is. He has two two carries, 26 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. That's infuriating. And so... uh, Mike Glennon manages to bat. Sorry, I, I wrote Nick Foles. I meant Mike Glennon. They're basically the same guy. Anyways... 
Mike Glennon managed to balance out fantasy productions in a loss for the Jaguars. He has 211 yards passing, throws a TD to DJ Chark, which good enough for us, four receptions, 62 yards and a TD. And then he has a TD to LaVisca Chenault as well, 48 yards on five receptions to go with that. And with James Robinson out of the lineup, we got to see Dari Gumbawale ball out. He was helping all my late round best ball picks, finally performs 78 yards on and three receptions, 13 or 14 carries. Yes, indeed. Now, just going with the theme of the 2007 Giants and the 2020 Bears, I feel like Khalil Mack could be the Michael Strahan of the, the current Bears, and then Donnell Mooney could be the David Tyree catching the miracle catch in the Super Bowl for the Bears. Anyway, coming back to reality. IDP MVP for this game is linebacker Roquan Smith. He had eight total tackles, two interceptions, two passes defended, and 16 return yards just for good measure. So that's a name you can rely on each and every week at linebacker Roquan Smith. And that will round out our final one o'clock slate of the 2020 redraft season. And that'll take us to a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two or three player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup, I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. We are back, and that is going to bring us to the afternoon slate where the 4-9-1 Philadelphia Eagles headed down to Dallas 
take on the five and nine Cowboys. And with both of them somehow still in playoff contention at kickoff, the Cowboys get the win 37 to 17. And thanks to losses, losses by the Washington football team and the New York Giants, the NFC East is still up for grabs. So for Washington, it's winning your end. But if the Eagles take down the team next week, it will be a winner-take-all matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thought it'd come down to this? Absolutely wild. But back to today, Andy Dalton. Oh, my Lord. I did not know that the Red Rifle still had this in him. He completes 73.3% of his passes. He throws for 377 yards, three touchdowns. He has an interception, but that's okay. My Michael Gallup best ball picks, they're also panning out. Unfortunately, those were in the fifth round, and it's been a bust this year. Gallup leads the team, though, with 121 yards and two touchdowns on six receptions. And Amari Cooper, he doesn't want to be left out. He gets 121 yards on four grabs as well. And then C.D. Lamb comes chugging along. Three catches and a carry, 84 yards, gets a receiving score and a rushing score. So two touchdowns from CD Land as well. Zeke was back in action this week too. He was back to form, totes the ball 19 times, adds four receptions, rips off 139 yards, unfortunately doesn't score, but he relegates Tony Pollard to just 20 yards on 10 touches. That was disappointing for anyone who made the bold decision to play Pollard over Zeke like we did on the Wednesday show, but I'm sorry for that. I do have to feel for Hurts in this one, though. I really played some hero ball, really tried to put the team on his back, but he just couldn't get it done. So he throws for 342 yards and a touchdown, but has two interceptions and a fumble. It wasn't really a fumble. The refs made a bad call in favor of the Cowboys. Shocker, who'd think that would happen? Anyways, though, still marked as a fumble, Hurts is in fantasy. And the TD pass goes to Deshaun Jackson. You better believe that Deshaun Jackson... On his only reception, it was an 81-yard bomb, a touchdown, and his only catch of the day. Classic D-Jack. So outside of that, though, Hurts just spreads it around, doesn't lock into anyone. So Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, and Jalen Rager, they all have three grabs, but they all have under 40 yards. And then Quez Watkins catches two balls for 57 yards. Now Sanders, he leads the team with four receptions. He adds 15 carries, comes out with 84 yards and a rushing score, so solid day from him. But at the end of the day, the Eagles are eliminated. I really hope they give Hurts the, another start next week. I hope they give him the chance to knock off Washington and send America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, to the playoffs. Jack, I really hope that happens too um, for a number of reasons. I actually, this offseason, I picked Dallas to play the Ravens in the Super Bowl. And now hey, I'm, I had uh, Dallas and the Patriots. So hey, there you I'm go. Even more wrong. <laughs> so so you're saying there's a chance. Uh, today's uh, Cowboys Eagle, you know, the game was was very delightful for me. For how many times I got to yell "Boomer Sooner" at my TV, uh, it was it was quite nice. CD Lamb and Jalen Hurts both made big plays. Both found the end zone. Uh, I can't imagine this is the last time we see Hurts uh, and Philly. Uh, you know, Philly now with this loss and being out of the playoffs, they should have a pretty good draft pick. They have Carson Wentz, who could be draft capital or trade capital to improve the team. They have a good offense. They really need to figure out the other side of the ball. Go all in on defense in Philly. Build around Jalen Hurts and the pieces you already have. That's right. And this is a team that is only a few years removed from winning a Super Bowl. As you remember, in 2017, they have defensive pieces. They've got Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett in the front seven. They've got guys. They just need a few more playmakers on defense and a bit more support on offense. Anyway, 
IDP MVP for this game is defensive end from the Cowboys, Randy Gregory. Now, I know we've talked a lot about Alden Smith throughout the season, but today is the other side of the uh, defensive end. It's Gregory with six, six total tackles, one and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, two quarterback hits, and two passes defended on the day. Great game from him, and I would like to point out, I was watching the Cowboys game, and I don't know how Alden Smith is playing. He, like, he doesn't only play on like, a pure pass rusher. Kicks into D-tackle after like six years off the game. Incredible. But it's also a pretty cool story that we get to see Week 16, and only two games on the slate have zero playoff implications at kickoff. Fantastic. So the first, we already talked about Bengals-Texans, and now we go to Broncos-Chargers. And a 19-16 dud. That's won by L.A. Yeah, and the Broncos uh, lose double-digit games for the third time in four seasons. And allegedly, they're going to bring back head coach Vic Fangio, who will likely be paired with quarterback Drew Locke, unless Denver reaches for a quarterback in the draft or free agency. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to work. I I don't really know one way or the other. I'm not saying that. I think whoever plays quarterback for Denver – they're going to have a lot of weapons on their hand. You know, they have Judy. Uh, they're they're going to have Cortland Sutton coming back. They've got Noah Fant. And we finally get a breakout game from Deshaun Hamilton, who I've been waiting around like patience on a monument to break out. He finally has a game worth talking about, but it really doesn't matter anymore. Uh, probably at this point of the season. I mean, you probably didn't play him, but he caught five passes for 77 yards. He's only 25 yards or 25 years old. And I'm really just still holding out hope that this guy can pan out in Dynasty. Sean, come on. You got to relax with these late season performances from bad players. First, we're going P. Ryan. Then we're going Deshaun Hamilton. And like, I, I do get it. It doesn't finally make him good, though. This is just a mirage. But a mirage doesn't change the fact that you're right. Deshaun leads the team. Noah Fant comes in second, shockingly, 65 yards on six grabs. Jerry Judy has 61 yards on six grabs as well. He also had five drops, though, and apologized for it after the game. So way to, way to go for him to talk to reporters after that and own it. And then Tim Patrick, just three for 39. That was disappointing. But not much help from Melvin Gordon either. 79 scoreless yards. And, like, ah, I don't know. Wow. Like, I'm not looking at the whole game. And I, I can see why you are high on Hamilton because he gave some hope in this bleak performance. This is awful. Oh, my goodness. So, Maybe it's maybe it's not Hamilton. Maybe it's his quarterbacks. Maybe it's Locke because he struggles his way to 264 yards and two picks. Ah, I don't know. But anyways, all I know is Justin Herbert is a damn baller. Herbert sets the record for most passing touchdowns by a rookie in NFL history. And on the same day, he joins Dan Fouts and Phillip Rivers as the only quarterbacks in Chargers history to throw for 4,000 yards in a season. That's right. Drew Brees did not accomplish that with the Chargers. Fantastic from him. So it's 100 or 253 yards and a touchdown from Herbert. But that's basically it for the entire team. Like, there's no Keenan Allen, so that means Mike Williams leads the way. It's only 54 yards and four receptions. And then second on the team is tight end, fourth-string tight end, Steven Anderson, 48 yards on four receptions. And then Austin Eckler, he picks up 68 yards, catches a touchdown on 10 rushes and can be carries. So fine day from him as well, but wild, weird game from everyone. A wild, weird game indeed. Now, the charges are interesting, Jack, because you mentioned Steven Anderson. I bring him... He, he, he is interesting to me because Hunter Henry is currently on the franchise tag for the Chargers, and we've seen a lot of Donald Parham in the last couple of weeks in terms of usage, and today it's Steven Anderson. I don't know about you, but I'm just reading through the tea leaves, and I know, I know Henry's out through 
COVID, but I feel like they're getting ready for life after Hunter Henry. So we need to pay attention to this for Dynasty purposes. But I, anyway, IDP MVP for this game is safety Nasir Adderley. He had seven total tackles and he also had 107 kickoff return yards, which is nice if your league recognizes that. And if it doesn't, it damn well should. Nice insights from me there. That is interesting. If you nail like the starting tight end in or in LA for the next like three, four years with Justin Herbert, and it's a guy like Steven Anderson or Donald Parham that costs you nothing. Very, very savvy move. So, anyways, we'll move on and Riverboat Ron and the team face off against the team that no longer wanted Ron. The Washington football team play host to the Carolina Panthers and the men that replaced Ron in Matt Rule and Joe Brady. And unfortunately, his former bosses get the last laugh for now. Panthers get the 20-13 to 13 victory. But we really can't blame Ron for this. He was at the mercy of Dwayne Haskins being an abject disaster for most of the game. Completed just half of his 28 attempts, had 154 yards, two interceptions, and a fumble. So Ron yanks Dwayne. And credit to Dwayne Haskins, he did face reporters after the game. Inserts Taylor Heineke, though, who somehow musters 137 yards and a touchdown pass. That goes to J.D. McKissick. Hey, that's future XFL starting quarterback Dwayne Haskins you're talking about. You know? <laughs> hey, so I'll, you know, put some respect on his name. Uh, maybe we can talk to the bosses. We'll get an XFL pod. Wait, wait, never mind. Don't say that. Uh, you know, Haskins, he's a bust in D.C., and it's a shame. I mean, D.C. is yet again back to the drawing board. They're going to have to look for a long-term solution at quarterback. Alex Smith is under contract until 2023, and he's quite expensive. But I don't think he's a viable solution. I mean, just with his health, his age, where this team at is at. Um, if they can't win this division, then, you know, they should look, they should be drafting high enough to maybe get someone like Trey Lance or, or Mac Jones or Kyle Trask, perhaps. Um, but I really think that's going to be a huge area to address in the offseason. That's going to be a really interesting one to follow. I don't know how it's going to play out. We'll see. But for today, J.D. McKissick gets four carries and eight receptions for 92 yards and the tug. Logan Thomas, he puts up a solid 63 yards on seven grabs. That's great for a tight end. But then at receiver with Terry McLaurin out, we get 63 yards on three grabs from Cam Sims and then 52 yards on four grabs from Steven Sims. It's kind of disappointing from them, and I'm kind of disappointed with Antonio Gibson's usage as well. Like, let your primetime players make those primetime plays. He gets just 13 touches, 10 carries, three receptions for just 69 yards, which is not so nice in this one. So the Panthers, they do come away with a moral victory, though. They're continuing to build and grow under Matt Rule. We'll see how that changes when they lose Joe Brady this offseason. But for today, 197 yards in the touchdown for Teddy Bridgewater through the air. And then the TD goes to Robbie Anderson. But he had a quiet day otherwise, just 39 yards on seven receptions, bailed out by the score. Mike Davis bailed out by the score as well because he only has 28 yards on the day. So the real baller is Curtis. Samuel, my word, seven carries for 52 yards, five receptions for 106 yards. He ends the day with 158 yards on 12 touches, breaking out big right before he hits free agency. Yes, indeed. Curtis Samuel comes through right at the business end of the season. Um, today's game was interesting. It was a revenge game for Ron, but it didn't quite go his way. But one of his charges stood up for him, and it was IDP MVP, linebacker from the DC Rivera's. Cole Holcomb. He had 11 total tackles, one sack, 
one quarterback hit, and one tackle for loss. So, no, no matter who's running back for the Panthers, if you start your linebackers against the Panthers, it was IDP goal throughout the season. So, congratulations if you took that strategy. And we sure did because we were listening to you. So thank you for that, Knee. And we will close out the Sunday slate with the main event of the day. The winner clinches. The loser may miss out to the Bears or the Cardinals. The Los Angeles Rams head into Seattle in hopes of clinching a playoff berth. But like always, discount Ryan Gosling. Jared Goff crumbles when it's most important. He completes just 55.8% of his passes, only 234 yards passing. Tosses a pick and has a fumble as well. And even worse, after the game, it was announced that Jared Goff broke his thumb and played through it. So credit to him for that. Dislocated his thumb as well, not just broken. But he's going to try and play next week. He's going he's to try and grit through. But it looks like they're going to lo- face the Arizona Cardinals with John Wolford at quarterback, the Arizona Hotshots quarterback from the AAF. Yikes. Hey, Jack, don't say yikes just yet. I'm actually really excited to see what Sean McVay can cook up without Jared Goff. Let's really find out uh, what what all, you know, Jared, or what but if they throw out in the play calling. I feel like Sean McVay, if he's got a role with uh, their backup with Wolfred, they're going to throw everything, including the kitchen sink, into the offense to get into the playoffs. But with that said, we still could be looking at two years in a row of missed playoffs for the Los Angeles Rams after making the Super Bowl. And I don't think it's all of his fault, Jared Goff, but his contract is so massive. So he's going to have to take the blame, and especially in a big city like L.A. Is there any chance the Rams might try to find a way to get out from under that contract this offseason? I don't think so because it's so expensive. But, like, Nee, do you have any thoughts? Is there any way out of it at all? Let's just remember, folks, the Rams have just moved into a shiny new stadium. Their owner is Stan Kroenke, and Kroenke's tight with his pennies. He also owns Arsenal Football Club in England, and I'm an Arsenal fan. And, yeah, if he can find the right deal to move Goff on, he's going to do it. All right, well, I will be surprised if that happens. I think it's just too big of a hit. But at the same time, we're kind of realizing that Goff is... Maybe in the Carson Wentz kind of category where he got paid big too early and shouldn't have. And it's funny because the guy in their draft class, Dak Prescott, he doesn't get the contract and he's the best one of them all. Anyways, though, because Goff stinks, quiet day from the receivers, which kind of seems to be consistent lately. It's annoying. Eight receptions, 66 yards from Cooper Cup, four receptions, 48 yards from Robert Woods, and then 65 yards on six grabs from Josh Reynolds. And it doesn't get better at any of the skill positions as well. So Tyler Higby, 34 yards on three grabs. Gerald Everett, 13 yards on two grabs. Darrell Henderson, he starts without Cam Akers in the lineup, 62 scoreless yards on the ground, and nothing as a receiver. And then Malcolm Brown, he chips in seven carries and a reception, 35 yards. So it's just a stinky mess in this game. But we can't just focus on how bad L.A. was, though, because Seattle was a stinky mess, too, even though they clinched the division. So 225 yards on a passing TD from Russ has a rushing score as well, but it's only nine rushing yards. So that kind of doesn't really help us in fantasy with the passing stats. So TD goes to Jacob Hollister to clinch the game in the fourth quarter, put it out of reach. Hollister ends the day with 17 yards on and a touchdown on two grabs. 
But then Metcalf, just 69 yards on six grabs. Lockett, 44 yards on three grabs. And then Chris Carson, 16 carries and three receptions. Turns him into only 79 yards, no scores. Rashad Penny, he continues to ease back in. Three carries for nine yards. But I'm really just left wanting more from Seattle, even if they clinched. Yes, indeed. And, and this is a team that they're kind of like the Steelers and, and the New Orleans Saints. They're a team that plays for 21 games a season, not 17. They're, they're looking ahead to January. They're looking ahead to the playoffs. So the guys like Penny, guys like James Conner, they're being eased in because they're thinking about the extra two or three weeks in the playoffs. They want to get those guys geared up for the postseason when the games really matter. In terms of guys that matter, IDP MVP for this game is linebacker from the Rams, Leonard Floyd. He had seven total tackles in the game, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and two quarterback hits. There is something to be said about the Seattle's offensive line. I know Russ has been cooking throughout the season, but he can still be um, a guy you can get to as a quarterback when it comes to the defensive line. So hopefully Seattle gets him some help in the offseason. That will wrap up the main slate for week 16. And as it currently stands, we are at halftime of a pivotal Sunday night football matchup between the Tennessee Titans and the Green Bay Packers in a blizzard. But, you know, this game probably doesn't matter to anyone. No, you guys aren't starting Tennessee Titans or Green Bay Packers, are you? Nobody out there is relying on Derrick Henry or Devontae Adams, especially not literally me playing both of them. But anyways, at halftime, we have the Packers up 19-7. to Devontae Adams opened the scoring and then had a second TD as well. So two TDs from Devontae Adams. Equinemia St. Brown catches a TD as well. So that means Aaron Rodgers at halftime has three touchdowns in the snow. Continues to fight for MVP with Patrick Mahomes. And then for the Titans, they struggle the entire first half. 35 yards on 11 carries from Derrick Henry. Jonu Smith is the one with the touchdown pass from Ryan Tannehill. And... You know, if anyone is going to break out a second-half performance in the ball, it's Derrick Henry. So you'll just have to figure that out after the show. That's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. Week 16 recap show. And with just six quarters of football left in the fantasy season, with only the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots left to play. Me, do you have any final predictions, any parting words, of wisdom for all our friends out there that you've been helping for 16 weeks of redraft and IDP football. Look, this is a bittersweet moment, Jack and John. The season is coming to a close, and week 17 doesn't matter this year in fantasy. It will next year, though. Um, if you are fortunate enough to have won your league, please consider donating to the charity or foundation of the player who helped you to win your league. So guys like Alvin Kamara, David Johnson... Maybe Josh Allen tomorrow night, Monday Night Football. It's a tangible and a nice way of saying thank you for delivering some cheer in what has been a wacky season. Also, if you're still in the fight to win your league and you're looking at MNF, I want you to consider Cole Beasley and Jacoby Myers as last gas dart throws. Otherwise, it's been a pleasure to talk football with you, gents, each and every Sunday night. Now, Jack. Tell me this, what are we going to be doing for the NFL playoffs? I am so glad you asked that. So for the playoffs, we will have another show. It's going to be a preview show because it doesn't really help you hearing a recap of the games because it doesn't really help us for fantasy football. But we're going to be bringing you prop bets, 
different bets that you can play and our top DFS stacks. So be sure to follow me on Instagram at the real NWB as we transition into playoffs, DFS, all those player props, and we head into the official start of dynasty season. We all know the magic word is dynasty and there's no better one better than Dr. Dynasty. So John, what do you have to leave all our friends with as we roll into week 17, into the playoffs, and into dynasty season? Hey, thanks for the kind words, Jack. And, and you're right. You know, the fantasy season is over for most leagues, but for dynasty season, you know, hey, things are only getting started. Uh, we have college bowl games still left to scout for rookie drafts. We've got free agency on the horizon. We've got the combine coming up. There is really no rest for the wicked when it comes to dynasty. And here at Important Nonsense, we're going to really try this offseason to help you navigate the waters during these unprecedented times. I'm excited to get back to the tape. I'm even more excited to share with you, the readers and our listeners, what I what we find. Uh, and just one last pick for our degenerate gamblers out there. Buffalo is seven-point favorites in New England. And I know the Bills are hot right now, and the Pats have been floundering. But I actually think the Pats will at least cover the seven points this week. The Bills will win. So if you want to go straight up and pick a money line winner, go with the Bills. But I think if you want to play the spread, go with the Pats. And, and I think because it'll be closer than seven points. Thanks for a great season, me and Jack both. I really look forward to working with you both again very soon when the playoffs come. And uh, I look forward to a dynasty season just beginning. That's right. It's not just me and I. It is the three of us. We will be talking about playoff action, prop bets, all of that good stuff. But in the meantime, be sure to follow John on Twitter at DynastyPhD and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC. And be sure to follow along with us on ImportantNonsense.com and on all the socials at NonsenseF. So I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and it's been an honor recapping the Sunday action for you for these past 16 weeks. Tune in later this week to the Big Boss Show starring at Nonsense underscore Steve, at Nonsense underscore Neil, as I join them for another edition of Hot Take Time Machine. But until then, be good to yourselves because the post-holiday blues can be tough. Wear a mask, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!